0: Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you as always by Olympic hopeful turned boxer and all-round sporting polymath Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer Hollywood Matt Connolly and combat sports ring announcer dave stockbridge so join izzy dave and matt as we talk about the world of combat sports on this episode of the daily combat podcast (laughs)
1: Welcome to another episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. Uh, We're your hosts, I'm Dave Stockbridge and this is Hollywood Matt Connolly. The double biceps are out, it's official, 2022 has begun and this is our very first episode of the year and joining us today is Daniel White. Thanks so much for joining us Daniel.
2: My pleasure Dave, thanks for having me.
1: Oh absolute pleasure mate and and so Daniel we've known each other, we've just worked out, we've done the maths it's 34 years, it's a very long time. Um, time. It's a long time Daniel Um, and well you're a big reason as to So why I'm here today Daniel in more ways than one and that is because I think you introduced me to the world of weight training and martial arts and the way that you introduced me to the world of weight training was I I distinctly remember uh, driving down uh, the road and uh, seeing you having not seen you for maybe six to eight months. And uh, we just uh, were out of high school for maybe a year or so, and uh, you'd been uh, working. You're a working man all of a sudden, and uh, we dropped out of contact for a little while there as we'd entered our, our working lives. And uh, and I saw you on the side of the road, but I didn't realise it was you. And uh, you were actually moving away from me at the time, and I thought it looks vaguely familiar. But look at the look at those lats. <laughs> look at look. And it was like it was a bigger version of Daniel White. And I thought, fuck it, I've got to do weights now. I can't let Daniel get away with it. This is insane. So it was out of sheer competition with you that I decided to even pick up a weight in the first place, I think. I think that just that that moment of, yeah, honestly, that moment of seeing you in all of your glory uh, walking along the side of the road. And I thought, wow. You know, Daniel's done it. He looks amazing, and uh, so and and then there was that period of time where uh, the UFC had just started, and uh, we've spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast before, and uh, and uh, you were the person that introduced me to the UFC, and that was back when uh, the US watching the UFC meant going to the local deli and getting a video, yes. and hiring that for three days, yes. and then uh, bringing it home and inviting all your mates around mm. the TV to watch this this spectacle. And uh, and that was the my first introduction to mixed martial arts all those years
2: ago. That's awesome. And usually that that um, introduction with the deep or the videos back then the VHS mm. started with oh look at this guy his name's Tank Abbott check this out yeah Tank Abbott yeah <laughs> it, was, it was Tank Abbott. Or it was it's yeah. Hoyce and, and all those guys. Dan Severin. Yeah. 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 All of it. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, Freddie Mercury look like? Yeah, that's right. Jacked Freddie Mercury. Frank
0: Abbott's uh, um, quote after he lost to uh, um, uh, Dan Severin was I felt like I was being raped by Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, we couldn't just have that across the screen, wouldn't that Because yeah. absolutely wonderful. Maybe we can superimpose that later. Them, yeah, yeah, great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Daniel, you're, you're much of the reason why this podcast exists in the first place. So, um, yeah. So yeah, you may never have known that. Daniel, I, didn't, so I, just, I didn't know uh, that. Just wanted to pass that on to you. But uh, more more than that, so you, you've had a uh, you've had a, a, a wonderful journey through uh, martial arts over the years, and uh, you've become quite the polymath, having adopted a range of styles and uh, developed styles, not necessarily in the traditional way or or being graded in the traditional way, but uh, uh, certainly um, being um, an enthusiast of many different styles and incorporating them into whatever your regime might be at the time. Uh, to the point where uh, you're even in instructing in martial arts, um, even though not formally graded in any way, which kind of speaks to uh, your um, your abilities as a generalist in in martial arts, which kind of fits well with the mixed martial arts world that we now find ourselves in, of course. But ten or so years ago, maybe not so much. It might have been thought of as a bit of a negative that you're not walking around with mm. a you know a tenth damn black belt or something like that. You know that might have been a disadvantage to you, but. Um, so tell us a little bit about your early journey in martial arts and perhaps what your what your first memories of uh, exposure to martial arts might have been.
2: Martial arts, all right. Well, just before I get on to the martial arts, just on what you said before with the weight training. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Funnily enough, that time where you saw me and you said you saw my lats. Yeah. That was probably two years of me and a few other people at our high school being very jealous of your arms. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we were we were like, we were like secretly plotting <laughs> away o- over on the side doing all yeah. these things and I was training in the garage, you know, like... <laughs> For years <laughs> late at night, doing chin ups like every night of the week. Oh, so
1: yeah. the envy circular. okay yeah, excellent. Yeah,
2: it is. I figured out pretty early, I'm never going to have arms like Dave's. You know <laughs> I can have lats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's what I was impressed You always want the things that you can't yeah, have, don't you? you know, too, all the girls with girly hair, they want the straight hair. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but in terms of martial arts, the first things I remember is probably, um, but it'd have to be Bruce Lee. I mean, it'd have to be watching the old Bruce Lee movies on Beta, <laughs> Betamax. Wow. Which was, geez, that came out, what, in 1983? So I think the first Bruce Lee movie I saw was about 83, 84.
1: So for a lot yeah. of kids watching, they just wouldn't know what Max is. So that's mm-hmm. the precursor to VHS. Yes. So this is on old school video old format. Old school video. And, and how did you, did you stumble across Bruce Lee or was it something that you saw out or can you remember what was appealing about it? Or I don't know, I just remember that video
2: it? cover with that, that uh, the artwork, the big boss it was. Right. And it was that okay. artwork of, and it's like, what is this? Who's this guy? Yep. He's doing like a flying kick into the, you know, into the um, sort of into the camera type thing. Yeah. And it, it just looked fascinating. And, and being a little kid, I mean, I don't know, there's kind of a young age to get into that, but I guess a lot, yeah. a, a lot of people did as well. Yeah. Especially with Bruce Lee back then.
1: In- and you found your inspiration quite young then. and. Mm. um and it was some years later, you, you got to f- follow in the footsteps of Bruce Lee, so to speak, in that you found yourself in the, uh, in the film industry in Southeast Asia and even had the opportunity to visit some of those uh, sacred sites of, uh, of Bruce Lee, having visited his home and checked yeah. out a few of the, the other places, that, like the Big Boss. Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. Uh, some of the, where some of the scenes were filmed in the Big Boss.
2: Yeah, I was, I was such a fanatic fan that I literally followed in his footsteps and, you know, went to Hong Kong and I, you know, went to his ha- house that he lived in many times, um, sort of tracked around and found a lot of the locations where he filmed some of his movies, particularly Enter the Dragon in Hong Kong, uh, The Big Boss in Thailand, and a, and a few other locations, one in Macau as well, there's a nice, um, beautiful park that's still there, which is uh, a scene in Fist of Fury, so yeah, I went back and, you know, l- tracked all these places, took a lot of footage, I've lost a lot of that footage, which has been um, frustrating, I've been looking for it lately, I'm hoping to do something with it, but yeah, but, yeah no, it was definitely a great, it's... Led on to so many adventures. It's
1: oh, pretty absolutely so. Uh, so Bruce Lee was pretty much the the catalyst for it, which I, I think a lot of people uh, can can say. Whether it's martial arts or acting, you know, it's uh, Bruce Lee has seemed to have uh, been a, a beacon for for so many people that might not have otherwise thought of themselves as an actor or wanting to get into acting, but uh, Bruce Lee's very much the gateway drug to uh, to that world. Yeah. Um, and uh, you obviously felt yourself pulled in that direction very early on.
2: Yeah, and I think Bruce Lee's always appealed to the downtrodden, the bullied, you know, the, the underdogs. And as kids, I mean, probably, you two guys are probably similar, I'm guessing. you know, We, we got bullied a lot in high school, but certainly, yeah. even in primary school. Yeah. And, um, you know, you see a Bruce Lee move and you think, oh, my God, this guy... want to be like him i I can quite empowering very empowering i want to be able to defend myself i want to do this do that um of course it's all just fantasy stuff but but it did lead on to me taking up karate in the in the um mid 80s Mm -hmm. um up in queensland there so did karate for a while as a youngster and then um yeah met you in 88 in, in high school and uh there was a little group of us we all sort of had an interest in training martial arts and went from there it wasn't until a, r- a real serious study of martial arts I had I certainly had the interest in reading and magazines and books and everything all through high school but it wasn't a real serious study until about the age of 17 in mm. um, year 11 or 12 when I started doing Jitkundo mm. which is Bruce Lee's martial arts so I started training with Nino pillar in Adelaide and uh, see Nino pillar and uh, things went from there <coughs>
1: and did you feel uh, when you went to school what did you feel you were going to be when you grew up, or, or what kind of? Where did you think you might end up whilst you're in year ten, year eleven, year twelve? Did you have any any feeling as to uh, I'm going to be this, or I'm going to move into that area, or can you remember what areas perhaps you could feel yourself being pushed into by those around you?
2: Good question. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I always, God, we, we we grew up in a very interesting environment where there wasn't a lot of encouragement in different directions. So I, I think, you know, in my mind I had, I wanted to be a refrigeration mechanic or... Um, just like a trade a, or something yeah, like trade, that. Yeah, a trade, yeah, or an architect, something like that, I was, I was thinking at that time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as you know, high school was very... Um, it was very much... You're just sort of going day by day, aren't you? You're sort of trying to... Always trying to survive. Because yeah. you, you've always got someone wanting to pick on you. Always someone <laughs> wanting to beat you up at the end of the day. Right?
0: Yeah.
2: It was a bit like that. and Yeah, it so, can be
0: for a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. Right Definitely. here that was me as well yeah, yeah. horrible man <laughs> was it? Yeah. yeah i still use that as motivation when i'm training yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. it's weird now cuz i know that <laughs> you look back at it and it's like well these are like 15 16 year old kids it's like you know you would, you, you sort of learn to deal with it and yeah. all the rest of it and it's like but those Painful memories. I still flash into my mind when I'm like, I need some fuel, some motivation here. Do you more reps. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's like I know that person's not even the same person now. <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's like you're right here forever. <laughs> definitely,
2: definitely a big issue, isn't it, in the world, bullying and stuff like that. But um, having said that, towards the end of school, I was really starting to fantasize about, oh, could I be in movies? you know these martial art movies, Bloodsport. Yeah. Oh, my favorite <laughs> movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> is it? I've,
0: I've, it is man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure I've seen it oh, uh, probably maybe 3 or 400 times like yeah. literally. Yeah, amazing. So amazing. <laughs> it's movie. Just incredible. Yeah.
2: And and that was one where I thought oh, and I used to, I I found a little uh, story I wrote recently back in the day about going to Hong Kong and finding a secret tournament. You know, oh yeah, so yeah, that yeah, all yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And and it's funny, a lot of the things I wrote in that little short story, well, the story I wrote Actually, did come true. So, this is a little oh. story
1: that you wrote when you were younger yeah, and, and yeah. a bit of a fantasy about what. Well, so, yeah, you were the central character in the back of yeah. your mind, were you? And and uh, Daniel, so Daniel Dukes, was it? <laughs> <laughs> he, he beats up bullies Dukes, during Dukes. the day Dukes. and enters Dukes. rogue uh, karate tournaments at night.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah something along Some those like lines.
0: Fastest kick uh, world history. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: yeah. There's been a few videos um, lately coming out on the internet sort of. Um, what would you say? Um, revealing, the, you oh, yeah. know, the the oh the, 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 the Frank f- Duke story, the, the false, the, well, the stories, the t- tall tales. Yes, you might say.
0: Yeah, there's I think there's a full documentary on it. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, never let uh, the truth get in the way of a good story. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did lead to a good film, so we can say. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think. Well, the the thing is that yeah, Frank Duke sort of I think embellished a lot about. A Everything that possibly <laughs> yeah. happened in his world. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, it, it it doesn't matter when you're watching a movie, whether it's fictional or true. But it just but fun- it's funny at the very end of the film they do flash up a couple of little stats, you know, and one of them, as I said, fastest kick ever on it. Yeah, yeah. Who's measuring yeah, yeah. it kick. was timed at like 452 <laughs> miles per hour per yes. second or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like five hundred fights in a row without hmm. being defeated or something. Amazing. <laughs> you know. Amazing. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he, he wears uh, sunglasses in every interview now because, for uh, mm. the the lights uh, affect his you know so many punches to the head and that sort of thing from those days. That, oh, you know, really? He can't yeah. handle the uh, the direct sunlight. The, yeah, yeah, the direct light from yeah. from these sorts. The same light. when I smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so you can't see how he's trying to think of a light. <laughs> a lie, so you can't see <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, it did lead to a good film, we'll say that. Yeah, for sure. That probably inspired a lot of young guys, you know, to, yeah. to do gym work and martial arts and all that stuff. And uh, Bloodsport was fantastic. And then, of yeah. course, all the other films that came out. Mm. But, um, the, um, yeah. the mic, sorry,
0: man. Um, if you keep it closer, because it's sort of, I'm drop, you're dropping every now and then, that's all. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh. Cool. So you, you're you, so you're at school.
1: You, you're fantasizing about this, this world of that might be out there mm. um, in uh, Southeast Asia, in some den, in a yes. cellar. There's some there's a there's an underground fight going on that you're not a part of that kumite. you would love to be. Word is kumite, uh, kumite. <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> which um, which you know it, it's easy for people to be discouraging of that and say like you're you're living in a bit of a fantasy world now, yeah, Daniel. Yeah. What are you doing? And you you did go off and get yourself a, like a quite a normal nine to five uh, job, um, and uh, and then but you, you never stop with this idea of acting and uh, continued through and uh, kind of supported yourself through that period. So uh, you started picking up so, some training and got some skills together and and uh, when, when did you show potential to yourself that you thought, hang on, I might be an actor or this might be something for me. I, I'm actually good at this. It's just not a fantasy now. Um,
2: I'm not sure there was ever a point where I thought I'm actually really good at this, I, but there was a very strong desire to do it. Mm. There was a very strong will to actually, I just want to do this someone else can do it, why can't I? There was that sort of thing. Yeah. But it you know it took years to get confidence doing classes and, yeah, in my early 20s, started doing part-time acting classes and then um, went on to study at university for four years, got a um, Bachelor of Arts degree in Performing Arts, studying uh, acting. And, um, yeah, by the time I was in my late 20s, I was much more confident in it. But it took many years for me to get there. I was, I was very shy, very nervous, very not confident in any way. Uh, my first... Um, TV commercial actually was a, a pizza haven commercial here, here, here actually. Yep. And all I had to do, literally, I was in my early 20s, all I had to do was walk past the screen, holding a pizza, smiling. That's all I had to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think I could do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> my face just used to freeze up. Yeah. That was how it used to man- – the nerves used to manifest. Yeah, yeah. just get a frozen face. So I walked past it, you know, a couple of times holding a pizza and I, I wasn't smiling at all. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the director came over and said, oh, I think you better – think you better just make that smile a bit bigger. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I went back, I realised my face had frozen even more. Wow. the pressure was on, the performance <laughs> pressure. And then, um, so then I walked across a few more times. I, I could not smile. And then I could see that the producers were there getting a bit frustrated and the director came, really got to smile. So I walked past, I just forced this smile and it sort of worked. And that, that was the first uh, sort of breakthrough thing and then you know but that that happened many times after that yeah especially in the early days my god yeah
0: it's a different thing isn't it when when they hit that record button and everyone's watching you yeah and it's like you might have 30 people all just looking straight at you to see the performance and it could be something that simple where it's like just walk past the smile and you're like oh my god everyone's watching me this is (laughs) you gotta learn that skill don't you of just completely ignoring everything that's happening and just you know, whatever you've got to do. Whether, okay, I'm walking, I'm just doing yeah. that. That's what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I don't care about... You could have a million people watching me, but I'm ignoring it. And yeah. because, you know, you'll have scenes where somebody's got a camera and they're literally coming right up into you or, you know, they're and you're you're pretending that they're not there at all, which mm. is, you know, is something that is <laughs> completely unnatural. Um, it just takes time on set and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, to be able to develop that skill. Cool. I think people don't see that from the outside. If they're watching a film, they just see the end result. Mm. And, you know, if you watch a film now and you sort of see that any moments where they're doing like a real close, that's a dude like walking up to the guy <laughs> and getting in his face with a camera and you'll see, they'll always say like, don't look down the barrel of the camera, you know, you got to sort of look past it or whatever. So it is funny and you would have picked this up with movies as well where they do have something and it's like, you're seeing the guy deliberately not trying to look into the camera. He's like, <laughs> yeah. you're making it hard, man. You keep putting it there, I'm trying to look over there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but,
2: yeah, so for me it was always a battle between – there's one part of me going, oh, no, if anyone can do this, you can do this. You know, you can do it, you can do it. But there was a massive part of me going, oh, no, you can't do this. You, would, mm. you can't just do that. Yeah. You, yeah. You, what are you doing Who do you think you here? are? Who do you think you are? Yeah. You can't do that. Look at you. You can't even smile. Yeah. It's a commercial. Yeah, so, so that it those it inner
1: awesome. demons kind of come to the surface when doubts. Yeah, and so you you, you kind of felt uh, you continue to kind of follow this passion, um, and uh, you you saved up some money from your work. You moved into study. You were picking up some acting work here and there, getting uh, some experience together. And then um, by chance, you had your first opportunity to travel overseas. With uni, and that led to um, a, a freakish uh, kind of circumstance that kind of led you down another path. There,
2: mm, that's right. Yeah, so I got a chance to um, go to Shanghai, China, for some uh, acting training at the Shanghai Theatre Academy. Mm-hmm. So there was a, um, a group of Australians were invited over. I put my hand up straight away. and said I'd love to go to that because, you know, always wanted to go to Asia.
1: Yeah, and, um, and had you been out of Australia before? Uh, that?
2: No, not since not since childhood. You know. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a great opportunity. I went to um, Shanghai with the group. We we met some wonderful people at the Shanghai Theatre Academy. Some gr- actually a few of them I've lost touch with. I'd love to get back in touch with, but I'm not sure how. Oh, they will
1: all be big fans of the podcast, mate. I'm sure they're yeah, they're watching now. Hello, everybody.
2: Big big viewership in China. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was just a fantastic time. And I got there, and man, Shanghai was incredible. Shanghai was like just, I mean, coming from Adelaide mm. to go to Shanghai it was it was just such a contrast the, the energy my god the vibe in the air the people you know everyone's interested in because you're from somewhere far away so everyone's interested in you and you're interested in them and you start learning things from each other but that was fantastic and yeah through that I actually um I was crossing the road one day I was only there for a week or two about two weeks maybe and I was crossing the road and um it was uh, the area we were in was very well, there wasn't many westerners around at all and I saw this elderly gentleman walking towards me this western gentleman walking towards me and um, I thought, God, where do I know him from? He looks familiar. He was quite tall, quite distinguished looking, um, white hair, you know. And he might have even had a cigar in his hand. And I thought, Geez, I know him. He's from the um, the Bruce Lee movie, Wave of the Dragon. <laughs> he was the boss, the, the mafia boss, John Ben. And I thought, and I, I went straight up to him and I said, are "You, John Ben?" He goes, "Yeah, absolutely." And I said, "Oh my God, what? You, this is weird. It just it just yeah. felt like a really bizarre one in a billion, maybe." To be honest, it was a one a billion just to bump into him like that. Yeah. Um, and he said that uh, he'd just moved to Shanghai a few weeks earlier from Hong Kong. He'd been in Hong Kong for 25 years or something. So um, he said, oh, look, I'm, I'm running a restaurant or something. He would, yes, come over and... I'll tell you some stories about Bruce Lee. Wow, is <laughs> that? Oh, that's awesome. I
1: mean, there's uh, there's no way you could have paid for that opportunity. Yeah. So it's yeah. so just one of those freakish yeah. life incidences.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And I, I went. And then what happened there? Well, I gave him a call, went over to this restaurant. He was it was really close to the theater academy where I was staying, um, coincidentally, and um, yeah, he you know he told me a lot of stories about Bruce Lee, and you know, I got some photos with him, and he was he was just a really nice um, nice gentleman, and he he'd had quite a very Interesting life himself. He was a real sort of uh, maverick. He, he you know traveled all over the world. Lived in Asia for thirty forty years. I mean anyone who's lived, you know, especially you think he'd lived in Asia in the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. You know anyone who's lived in that sort of it's pretty dynamic moment, period. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've had very very interesting experiences. So that was quite fascinating for me. But um, so yeah, and then he actually put me onto uh, someone in Hong Kong who he was friends with, a, a producer named Bay Logan, who I actually had um. Was familiar with him because of all his writings. As a teenager, I'd, I'd collected this magazine called Impact Magazine. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Impact. It's
0: like one of the only sort of martial arts magazines that was out at that yeah, time. Yeah. that's
2: right. Yeah, martial arts movies and action films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd collected all those, and I was familiar with the name. And so um, he sort of connected me up with with uh, Bay Logan in Hong Kong, and I yeah got invited to come over by Bay, and he got me on the set of uh, the Twins Effect, which was a, a, a wasn't really a Jackie Chan movie. Jackie Chan was doing a cameo appearance, but it was a Hong Kong action movie, vampire action movie, and um, yeah, I, a week later or so, I flew to Hong Kong, first time in Hong Kong. That was incredible. That was just amazing. So
1: you were still meant to be in Shanghai. Yeah,
2: you know, that was that period was coming to a, to a close. So yeah. yeah, I left a little bit early to get to, to take this opportunity in Hong Kong.
1: Yeah, jumped on the plane, went straight over there. Didn't know anybody in Hong Kong. You had a number, you had a contact, yes, and right. and and chased it down, yeah. and uh, and then that led to your first uh, movie role for what it uh, you know first mm. first time on a movie set yes. uh, or a major movie major, set, yeah. and, uh, and and what did you take away from that early experience?
2: Well, that was incredible. So yeah, so I got invited straight to the set. I got to Hong Kong. I think within two days I was on the set huh. with Jackie Chan right there. Oh wow. really? Oh, yeah. Wow. And it was like. Oh, God, this is intense. So, so two weeks
1: earlier, you were in Adelaide, yeah. you were at uni, and now you're on set with yeah. Jackie Chan, just yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And
2: this was 2002. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and just as Jackie Chan himself, I he was a lot bigger than I thought because you know you, you think you know, little guy. No, he's, he's quite solid. He's quite he's quite big. He's he's not short. He's, yeah, right. He's, he's a good five ten. I reckon. He's, really? Wow. He, yeah, he he was quite a. He's not not a tiny guy or anything like that. But. Um, yeah, oh, it was a real buzz being on that set. It was, you know, night shoots, so it's night time, you know, mm. you, everyone's in wardrobe, you've got vampires walking around, Jackie Chan's over there. Mm. You've got uh, Donnie Yen was the, the oh, yeah. fight action director of yeah, the yeah. film, who uh, now has obviously become very famous with the Hitman films and, and everything else. But back then he was sort of in a bit of a, a career time where he was um, doing more fight choreography and action directing. And, uh, oh, what a buzz.
1: And what, did, and what did that lead on to thereafter? Now you've met these people on set and you're starting to make some contacts there. Did it lead to anything further?
2: Yeah, well firstly it led on to meeting a bunch of amazing, fantastic people. So I met um, people like Mark Strange from England. He was working on the film. He's doing very well now by the yeah. looks of it. Um, a great friend named Digger, Digger Mesh, who was on set playing a vampire. So we became long-time friends. Uh, I met Mike Leader through, the, um, through that film. I believe yes it was that film mm-hmm. um, and I met many other great people but yes it did lead on to other opportunities so after that every couple of years I would go back to Hong Kong and you know work on an action film or be involved in some sort of filming but,
1: yeah. there seemed to be a period there 10 or 15 years where almost half your time was spent in that part of the world
2: yeah I was back and forth a lot I, I don't even know how many times I've been there maybe 30 30 times Something like that, yeah. And, and what were
1: some of the highlights of that period whilst you were over there?
2: Oh, highlights. Well, f- obviously that first one, the twins effect. Then uh, a couple of years later, working on um, Ultraviolet with Milo Jovovich. Was, All right. was excellent. Playing oh. another vampire, strangely. But, hey. but you know, just to be on set. and, and to, we, we did a lot of sword fighting practice for that one. We did a lot of um, um, Japanese-style sword fighting practice yeah. for that. We did a couple of months, actually. And, and as a matter of fact, for that one, it, a great memory is having... You know, I went over with Nino Pillar, my Sifu from Adelaide and a group of other guys, Richard, Ian and a couple of others. And we went over, you know, as a bit of a team with the goal of working on that film and we all did. But yeah, the training was great. It was the training for the two months before the film that is just such a great memory. Mm. And it was during that training actually that I met my my Kung Fu Sifu in that park that we were doing that, my other Kung Fu Sifu that we were doing the, the training in that park. I met him in that park. Okay. So so yeah so it led on to many things it led on to meeting my my kung fu teacher uh, from Hong Kong it led on to other films like um, got to work with Benny Chan who sadly passed away I think last year uh, on uh, connected which was a fantastic film um, multiple other films I mean even just little things like you know um, being a stand in for uh, Christian Bale as yes. we were talking about yeah. before for, yeah. for uh, Batman crazy um, mm. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, they but he's just in the background. Yeah, yeah, I right. saw the statue. Um, but yeah, just just you know being on set for um, uh, Batman. I mean, they did what a week in Hong Kong, I think, and there was a, there was about a three day shoot where they did some outdoors stuff, um, where it was seen with Morgan Freeman and Christian Bale. But I, I got a call just a few days earlier saying, oh, how tall are you? You know how how, how much do you weigh? Mm-hmm. And um, gave the information. Next thing I you know, I was I was in a van, being <laughs> driven to uh, Hong Kong Central to. And I had no idea. And then I got out and it was, wow. it was Batman. And I'm like, wow. I'm on set, meet Christopher Nolan, meet Walter wow. Freeman, Christian Bale. Um, it, it, was just, it was just incredible. It's awesome. Just, it, it was a period of time where just anything was possible. You, yeah. you know, anything could happen, any day, any minute. A phone
0: call could lead on to anything. Wow. Yeah. That, what was it like on the set of the dark night? Knight?
2: set, um, pretty intense. So we had, there was thousands of people public mm-hmm. watching, from below because we were up on these sort of um, these escalators and walkways, thousands of people watching. There's paparazzi everywhere, um, you know, news reporters downstairs. Everyone's trying to get a photo. So we had Christian Bale and Morgan Freeman. Christian Bale was uh, very, um, very polite, very, very slick. Mm. True, true. Yeah, yeah. True movie star. This he came up. He actually Real introduced himself. Really, oh, really professional. Yeah, it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah, really cool. Really, My really, favorite really cool. actor, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was very, was very it, cool. Your one degree of um, separation now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <that's it. laughs> we got Schwarzenegger from Big E. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but what, what was funny about that whole situation was that they had. Uh, so it wasn't where he was dressed as Batman, he was in the Bruce Wayne suit. Yeah. So they had me dressed in the suit. I was just a stand in. So stand in, for anyone doesn't know, just basically stands there while they set up the lighting and the, the cameras because the, the, the actual actors, you know. Got things to do. They got things to do. Yeah, They don't want to be standing around doing that type of stuff. But um, yeah, so there was me and Morgan Freeman also had a stand-in as well. Mm -hmm. So this uh, this African guy that they had um, hired in Hong Kong, and he was dressed in the same way as Morgan Freeman. Now, what I sort of realised a few days later, and I don't know if this was mainly the reason why we actually were there, but um, Morgan Freeman and Christian Bale very quietly slipped away (laughs) on the third day. They just disappeared. Yeah, and then everyone downstairs and the paparazzi and everyone else thought that me and this other stand-in uh, were them. <laughs> right. So when we came down the stairs at the end of the shooting, we, we me and this guy, this other guy I was working with the um, Morgan Freeman stand-in, we, we looked and we just saw hundreds of people running at us, wow. and and. I liter- we literally went into fight or flight mode And just <laughs> ran Like I, It was just not what you expect To have hundreds of people running at you So we, we just basically ran oh, right. And we ran down the road And got stuck in this Not an alleyway But we got stuck against this brick wall. Turned around All of a sudden There was all these lights Going off in our faces And you know Microphones out Wanting to interview wow. us They thought we were yeah. William Freeman and Christian Bar Wow <laughs> You say it's $5 a photo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know,
0: I should have taken advantage of it I just, I, I just
2: didn't ha- You know In that fight or flight moment But uh, you know, question: How much you getting for this film? What are you getting paid? I'm like, I'm not him. What do you mean? You know, (laughs) the the next day there was. (laughs)
1: Did you think just to start bullshitting? Eighty five million (laughs) dollars.
2: I didn't until the next day The next day I thought Oh god I should have milked that I was, But it was funny The next day there was A few magazine articles With our photos on there Looking all confused You <laughs> know <laughs> Christian Christian
0: awesome. Bale Confused again
2: <laughs> lost
0: Running days for his Lost it. day Bailed up in alleyway Bailed
1: up
2: <laughs> What was he doing
0: In that alleyway With oh, Freeman oh. That's right <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah oh, That would be amazing It though. was cool I just wish we had the Phones that back then, the, the cameras on the phones, you know, that we we have now. It mm. really, was two thousand four. We didn't really, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. So yeah, didn't didn't get a lot of shots from that. But <laughs> anyway, it was a really
0: really great experience. Mm. Fun. Do you think? Have you, you when you watch the film back? Um, You're like, God. oh was any of that footage maybe from a distance oh. that might have been me there no i don't think so no? No, no, I, don't I used so. it for every every single <laughs> bit <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's been watched over a
1: few times i'm guessing yeah, just, just uh, a double pause, check <laughs> pause, <laughs>
0: frame by frame yeah. was, it, was it no no, right, no. ah forget it <laughs> 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 your name come up in the credits though
2: no i don't think so and that's quite common you know when you're doing films in hong kong a lot of stuff is just you know it's it's off the cuff it's off the you know you, you don't always in, in the hong the kong films we, we got credits but sometimes if you work on an american film you just
0: yeah, you just there and then
2: you're just go there. Mm. Nice.
0: that's awesome wow, that's crazy
1: <laughs> and and so you you continue to go back and forth to southeast asia for for some years for for acting but also to to connect with your, your sifu and and to spend um spend time there um refining the techniques that you were learning from him um with every visit that you uh, you took to hong kong and tell us a little bit about that relationship
2: yeah cool so so the first time i met sifu kong i was as i said uh, we, I was there with uh, Sifu Nino Pilla, who's an amazing martial arts teacher um, from Adelaide, uh, and, a, and a small group of others. And we were training in Kowloon Park. Mm-hmm. And from a distance, we would see this other um, Chinese gentleman with a small group of people doing their training. It looked a little bit like Tai Chi or something like that. Mm. And we'd sort of watch, and he'd give us a little wave each day. And then one day, I was I had to go to the loo, public toilet there, and, um, and he was in there. And he walks up next to me as I'm, I'm you know, taking a leak. And he says, you do pee-pee? <laughs> <laughs> I am a master at PP. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yes. Okay. Hi, I am Kong. I said, "Oh, nice to meet you." Do you, you, you do PP too? Do yeah. <laughs> but that was that was <laughs> Fu Kong. You know, he, he was like that. That was the way. That was my introduction to him. Um, and,
1: and there was a bit of a Bruce Lee connection with Seafood Kong as well, from what I understand.
2: Yeah. So you know, when I first met him, I thought, God. And again, I thought, where do I know him from? I, I, he looks familiar. So. Uh, what happened was, after that initial meeting, he sort of invited our group to go and train with him. So I, you know, myself, Sifu Nino Pilla, and a few other people I was with, we, we started doing a little bit of training with him in the park there. And as we're training with him, I thought, oh, where do I know him from? He looks familiar. And it didn't quite click until um, a month or two later, and I realised he was a, a Hong Kong actor from Kung Fu movies in the 70s and 80s. Mm. Um, he's, he's Probably his, his major part that he had was as the crazy chef in um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Ah, oh yes, I know exactly Mi- who you mean. Yes, with yeah. the knee cleavers. Yes, that was and a great he, scene. He has that fight with Jason Scott Lee <laughs> in the yeah. back alley. He was
0: great. And he got up on the girders or whatever and yeah. beams. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. which was my favourite scene in the movie. Right, <laughs> you know. And then when that clicked, I was like, ah, oh, you know, oh. I get it. That's who it is. It's it's. I get it. It's, his name was uh, Kong Kwok Kyung. Oh yeah, a Chinese name.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and tell us a little bit more about what what uh, Kong was up to.
2: So Kong had this uh, really unique style that he'd developed of martial arts because he, he came from a very um, you know Hong Kong Peking opera type background he had done ballet in the past when he was younger he was a dancer Wow um, but he'd done a lot of different southern kung Fu styles and um, throughout his time so when I met him he would have been in his late 50s I'd say mid50s actually mm-hmm. so he, he'd done a lot of, had a lot of experience in kung Fu and he, what he'd done is and Tai Chi as well actually but he'd combined his his Kung Fu and his Tai Chi, um, as you know, in Tai Chi, they do a thing called pushing hands. So it's like a, um, almost like sticking hands in Wing Chun, but it's a, it's a more circular type thing. But he'd combine that with his Latin dancing that he was doing because he was really, really um, passionate about Latin dance, particularly the rumba. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and he discovered that the, the waist movements of the rumba were very interconnected with Tai Chi, mm. which he would then connect to Kung Fu. Hmm. So, he had this thing where he would call it action, movement, motion. The motion starts, the, more that internal motion in the waist uh, and the hips uh, leads to uh, action, leads to movement, which leads to action, which is the kung fu. So, hmm. it was the internal to the external. He had this really amazing um, system that he'd figured out in really unique style. So, so, every year that I went back to train with him over the years, he'd seem to get more and more powerful, more subtle in his movements and more effective in his techniques. Mm. And a lot of it came from all this Latin dance he was doing. He was still doing the Tai Chi and the Kung Fu, but he, the, the Latin dance, it was a really interesting connection there, yeah.
0: He's the one that, that goes, Lee, clean up clean up in that scene before yeah, in Dragon.
2: Yeah, I think he's jealous because yeah. Jason Scott Lee's Bruce's character's flirting with the,
0: yeah. the waitress <laughs> that's and <right>. stuff <laughs> and he's getting a little bit, hang on. Yeah, and, yeah, and then he throws the something on the ground. He's like, Lee, clean up. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, <get it. laughs> and then he gets set on fire, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, he had an amazing, he had a really interesting style. But even, even more so than that, he was just a really amazing, interesting character it's yeah. interesting um with
0: uh i mean bolo yueng um you know uh, from into the dragon bolo oh, and he was a uh, tai chi tai chi as well as because you think oh, you see the tai chi movements and people doing it as you know um like a functional fitness kind of thing and it's like there's not you know you're not sort of seeing sparring or tournaments or anything of tai chi but then you've got yeah. people that are um, you know proponents of it that have that in their background and it's like well you know you look at bolo yueng and it's like well you don't want to mess with that dude it's like but he's a from Tai Chi. How, kidding, right. how strong can <laughs> he be? Yeah, that's right. Bolo
2: um, combined the, the bodybuilding and the powerlifting yeah. with, with Tai Chi. And, and in fact, Kong Sifu was good friends with Bolo. Oh, really? Day. Wow. Yeah. And he told me he did have very, very good Tai Chi. Very oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, uh, you, you're, all this. you're bringing back <laughs> all my memories when I was like, oh, you know, but my teenage years of going to movie land and, <laughs> yeah. and getting eight weekly rental movies. <laughs> I'd go straight to the martial arts section and um oh, and get eight, you know, yeah. And I was trying, <laughs> I was trying to work my way through Jackie Chan's catalogue, but he's done so, he's done like almost two hundred movies, <laughs> and I think I'd get eight. And then you know, I'll, he's was, made three in that fortnight. Yes, there were so many. I watched so many, and him, you know, it's the same. Uh, you usually do with Summer Hung and um, yep. uh, was it the the other guy, Yuan Yuan Young? Yeah, 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 yep. yeah you and Baron, yeah, yep. um, and it was this, a lot of them with the same story <laughs> <laughs> over and over, kind of thing. But you know, it was like that time, and then you bring up all these moments. It's like, fuck, you met that dude, ah man. I've probably seen you in heaps of films and not realised it. Was, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and how did you feel like being a fan of these people and then meeting them and then, um, I guess, getting close? Yeah, they always say that you know, don't get too close to your idols. Um, it'll always uh, end in tears. And, and, and how was it for you?
2: Um, well in terms of meeting Kyle Kong was fantastic He was just a, a great human being And a wonderful man um, Yeah I, I, You know I got to meet people Like uh, Van Dam uh, w- oh, One evening so, so tell us <laughs> about the evening With
1: Jean-Claude Van Dam Got to hang out with
2: Van Dam In, a, in oh. a Hong Kong nightclub So this is killing <laughs> like This is
0: killing. <laughs> killing Matt inside You're living You're my, my dream Why <laughs> so, yeah.
2: no, Well,
0: well, What happened with Van Damme? So,
2: <laughs> tell us about that that, that well, evening okay. With Jean-Claude so, Van Damme so, so as a matter of fact There was a, a bit of a connection Between Kong Sifu and Van Damme Kong, okay. Kong had actually worked On Bloodsport and, oh. kick, and Kickboxer Wow As Van Damme's um, Sports Massage Therapist Okay And mm. and Kong Sifu Was actually going to be Master Yan In Kickboxer, ah, oh. you know, the Time master. Yeah. Mm. He was actually going to play that role until um, uh, until is it Philip Chan who, who played the actor? I can't uh, think of the name, but yeah, until yeah. The, the actor who played mm. Uh, mm. Kick master. the Tree. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so there was a bit of a connection there with Van Dam. Um, so Van Dam, yeah, got invited to go out to a uh, nightclubs. Van Dam was going to be there. We're going to all hang out. We're going to have a good time.
1: Who, who organised so this? It was actually uh, Bay Logan again. I have, Bay- to, I have to give him credit for that. Yeah, uh, so
2: he, he invited me out there, and he said, "Look, I've got." Van Dam coming out, so let's meet up at this nightclub. So we get there, so and, and <laughs> <laughs> being being a huge Van Damme fan, like yeah, yourself, yeah, mate, yeah. you know, yeah. for years. My God, going to meet Van Dam. So I thought, all right, I don't want to, um, I don't want to come across as too much of a fanboy, even though I am. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try and play a little bit cool when he arrives. You know, so I sort of I, he came in and he, he sort of I said hello and he, he sat down and I sort of looked away. And, uh, and, uh, and then I looked at him And he goes What are you looking at You fucker
0: <laughs> Really Wow And I was like
2: uh, and, uh, and then he goes And then he put his hand up For a handshake And oh. he was like ah. you and me, and He was just He was just a great guy that night oh, And it awesome. was It was just him mucking around He's just got a good sense of him. <laughs> I, I was a bit uh, You know On edge His stomach just went <laughs> <So> It's <laughs> what my idol And he hates me, me. Yeah. Oh my god <laughs> And, uh, but from there on, it was great. And, you know, we, we sort of danced the night away. There was a group of us. We had a, There was a few ladies there. And and uh, we, we sort of danced in a circle, calling out the names of all these films in chronological order. Wow. <laughs> Bloodsport, Kickboxer, yeah, Wrong Bad, Time Cop. You know,
0: it was... It was did you dance fun. the way he danced in Kickboxer? <laughs> he, did. he did. Actually, <laughs> what did he dare me to
2: do? He wanted me to do something. I, I think he wanted me to go and ask this lady if i could have the strawberry on top of her drink or something oh, yeah. she gave it to me and he came he was like yeah yeah <laughs> yes. awesome that would be amazing man. that would <laughs> be cool. so cool um so that was that was a good experience that was good fun um things like that and who else who else can i um who else do
0: i like that you got <laughs> to meet and hang out with <laughs> you, you, you did spend some time with jackie chan
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah i did I, yeah of course um so there was that first film experience with jackie chan there Secondly, um, I have a friend in in Melbourne, Paul Androvsky, who is is part of Jackie Chan's stunt team. Mm. So a few years later, he was working on Rush Hour Three in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. Jackie, or he was going to work there, and um, and Paul invited me along with him, which was another fantastic experience because I got to got to meet meet Jackie again and spent a lot more time in that scene, which was really cool, it was fascinating. Yeah, you know a bit of uh, karaoke stuff with, with Jackie Chan and his entire team and the whole company. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, a lot of times. people don't realise he's he's uh, quite an accomplished singer. I think he's released like four yeah. albums oh, yeah, or something. Oh, he's a great
2: singer, yeah. <laughs> he can sing, he can, for yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he came to that, that Chinese opera school and, you know, that that sort of weld and then managed to sort of, you know. Um, I think Bruce Lee had... Oh, he was in a couple of Bruce Lee's films and worked as the stunt man and that sort of thing. Got yeah. hit a few times by <laughs> Bruce. Um, and then after Bruce Lee had died, he sort of you know went and filled in the gap and became the the next kind of thing. And um, yep. there, there was, a, which was kind of funny, uh, when they had all the Bruce Lee ripoffs, and there was like Bruce Lie yeah. and then Bruce Lee <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. Dragon Lee. <laughs> Just <laughs> Just, Dragon Lee. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, Jackie Chan, uh, you know, was, was obviously working in that world and, and then made the uh, trip over and became uh, the, the next sort of Welsh, Western Chinese kind of yeah. guy. Built yeah. the vacuum. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, of that archetype that was created by Bruce Lee that was never there before, really. Mm. That's right. Mm. Yeah, it paved the way and then, you know, there was uh, – and Jackie would always say that he would he would – you know, fi- finish his, his punch like this instead of like this to, yeah. you know, sort of uh, signify some difference between what he was doing and what everyone else was doing and, you know, all the stunts and uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
2: it took him a few years to discover that personal style of his. He, he did, did a whole handful of films in the early 70s where it wasn't quite working, but then he found that, that comedic um, style that he has and the intensity and all that stuff. And then it was. Yeah. Do
0: you remember the first Jackie Chan movie that you saw? one I saw.
2: It's um, a good question. Jeez, um, that is a good question. It, it might have been actually Police Story,
0: the original. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A good one to start with.
2: Or it actually could have been Fearless Hyena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Early ones. yeah, I think it might have been Fearless Hyena. The, um,
0: Black Singlet, was that the one with the, and he was.
2: There was a lot back then, Shaolin, Shaolin <laughs> Wooden
0: Men. That was yeah, another yeah, good one for yeah, yeah. that. The third one I saw was uh, Young Master. Young Master, oh, that yeah. was great, that was yeah. classic. What a, a fight a at the end. Oops. Oh yeah, yeah, he had a stool. In this, my I just remember because my dad <clears throat> called me in, it was on SBS, it was like that was the only place you'd see these sort of films, like the world movies. And he's like, Oh man, you gotta see this, this is just crazy! He's doing all this weird stuff, like, Oh, <laughs> he'd never seen it. I was like, Oh, what, what is this? And uh, the scene that really got to us was like somebody sort of threw like a bunch of knives at him, and he like picked up a cloak and it's like, and sort of like you know, <laughs> flew all the, the knives out. It's like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was my first experience with that sort of world. I was like, Oh, Jack. Yeah, yeah, and then any time his film would come up on SBS, i have like, I gotta watch it, gotta watch it. And yeah, the Wood <laughs> Men, and then you know Drunken Master, and yeah. all those uh, classics. And yeah, it's basically the, the same story retold a thousand, a thousand times. But <laughs> yeah. it's a formula. it yeah, it's it's works. It's a formula. It works. It's like a Nickelback song. Yeah, right. exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was always a bad guy, and he would be the bad guy at the end with a stool or some other sort of. Or he would learn a, a new technique, the tiger technique, or the crane technique, or the snake you know. <laughs> did you did you ever see Drunken Master 2? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I saw that in <laughs> cinema actually. That played, oh really? That played in Adelaide in wow. The cinema. Wow, okay. Um, that was awesome and that was one of the last final really good traditional kung fu ones.
0: Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only one I saw in the cinema was Rumble in the Bronx that he did. Oh, nice. yeah. oh and then I guess the Rush Hour stuff from there yep. yeah, with Chris Tucker and um, yeah but it was nice to see that he'd made that impact in the US you know with those films um, but I do remember uh, watching an interview with him about how they'd set up uh, a scene with uh, Rush Hour, and he said the difference between you know the, the Chinese way of doing things and the US is so contrasted in terms of their safety aspect. <laughs> and it was like, you know, in China, it'd be like, okay, the scene is you've got to run up the wall, get over here and get on the balcony and then go over there. And he's like, okay, cool. You know, just turn the camera on and he would just do it. You know, there you go. Do it a few times. Great. Got hmm. it. Next thing. He's like, <laughs> in America, they'll be like, okay, the same movement. Uh, it's going to take six weeks to plan out and we'll have to get the insurance done and we'll have to get somebody else to do it and then make sure that it's safe and, and he's like oh, I just want to do it just put the camera on I can do that I don't need you to do all this other stuff Like, just, I'll film it now Like, get the camera and we'll do it But, but there, yeah. there, there are
1: pros and cons associated with that and I, I guess one of the, the cons is you, you found yourself getting injured on a movie set did, yes. um, in uh, in Hong Kong and um, and how, how did that has that affected your career since
2: yeah that that was tough actually because that It was a a bad knee injury I tore my ACL (sighs) Doing a film in Hong Kong Yeah During a rehearsal And that was Intense Because that came You know Anyone who's had an ACL reconstruction Knows that that's A good year recovery Yeah At least You know And really To get Really confident On on your leg again It's a good year and a half So that happened Pretty much A year and a half Two years before COVID hit Mm. So Yeah It's been difficult I won't lie It it was a very tough recovery From that injury Um, Took a lot of time Money mm. and um, yeah, it was a difficult one.
1: Yeah, and and so you you returned to Australia, um, and then just just as COVID had hit, and just as you would started to recover physically uh, from that injury, uh, you were you are in Ireland at the time, and uh, so um, and and working on some projects there and some new opportunities and then COVID hits, Um, you suspect you may have even had COVID at that time. I remember you were really ill and displaying all of the symptoms of bad COVID. Um, At that point, was really laid up for about six or so weeks before uh, you were essentially forced to return to Australia because of the evolving uh, pandemic. Um, And uh, so... um, Talk us through a little bit about, you know, as you were recovering and that, that was a, a very long recovery period and being an action actor as you are, uh, how did that affect the, your perspective at your age, um, in your 40s, seeking to get back into that world?
2: Yeah, so uh, as you said, I, I um, managed to obtain a UK passport. So I, I have some friends in Ireland who, who uh, are excellent stunt people, um, actors. So Mark Redmond in, um, in Ireland there, he's been Doing some fantastic work for years, and he's been saying for years, you know, come over. There's lots happening, so I finally got a chance to go over, and I just healed from that injury. Um, went over there, um, yeah, and I, I did. I got I got very very sick the you minute know, I got there. Got a very bad bad, bad flu, um, and cough a, a cough unlike I'd ever had before, mm. and this is this is literally <clears throat> six or eight weeks before COVID was announced. So whether it was or wasn't, I've got—I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I did get very, very sick. It was the dampest, wettest winter apparently in a hundred years in in, um, in Ireland. So wow. maybe that had something to do with it as well. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I started doing some auditions for stunts. I thought I'll do, do some stunt work over here. So I got on the stunt team for the Last Jewel, which was the uh, the Matt Damon um, film uh, directed by Ridley Scott, who's mm-hmm. of course nice. the director of Aliens. Yeah, uh, Alien. Sorry, the first yeah. Alien. Got um, right. it. Yeah. Yeah, so I got on the stunt team for that and then there was some other potential work coming up. The work was about four weeks before it started and it, it sort of got put back to six weeks. So there was a bit of a bit of an interim time there where I was um, actually staying on Mark's farm. They've actually got a, a great um, uh, backpacker hostel and stuff like that in near Cork out in the uh, down, down south and uh, waiting for that job to start and then all of a sudden the whole pandemic kicked off. There was the news reports were starting to come in. We're seeing pictures of people Dropping dead overseas, and like, what the hell's going on? Um, I, and I, well, I had been sick for about two months at that point, mm-hmm. Not really sick. I mean, bronchitis type. You know, um, could have even got worse. Lucky it didn't. It was starting to clear up then. But then I had to make the decision. Look, I've got to get back, because that that work that I was about to start on was all cancelled. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, everything was frozen, and um, you know, everyone was panicking basically, and the borders were shutting down. That was what I was hearing. So. Heard the Australian border was going to shut down. So I came back as quick as I could. Got a flight back. um, Almost got stuck in Kuala Lumpur because the flights were being cancelled. It was via Kuala Lumpur. Left Turkey, actually. We went through Istanbul as well. Left Turkey. And then halfway halfway on our way to Kuala Lumpur, the plane had to turn back. There was something wrong with the plane. Mm. I thought, oh, God. So we get back to, you know, there's a pandemic that's just hit. And we were stuck there for about eight hours while they worked on the plane. Got back. Flew to Kuala Lumpur. And then missed my connecting flight to get back to Australia, no. uh. and then flights back to Australia were being cancelled. You just saw them like just disappearing from the from the um, board thing, yeah, yeah. from the board. Yeah, so I, the, the airline put me up at the hotel in in Kuala Lumpur at the airport, which was they were fantastic there. It's a beautiful airport as well, um, but yeah, I had to wait a couple of days to get that final flight back at 10 p.m. To And it was the last flight. Ooh. So I thought, oh God, if this one cancels, I'm yeah. in trouble here. And I did hear that there were people having to sleep on the floor in the airport for oh, weeks. And I don't weeks. know if this is true, but I but I heard that they weren't allowing um, foreigners to hire hotels after that point when the pandemic really hit. So people were basically unable to get accommodation. Jeez, now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But that's, that's some of the things I was hearing from over there. Wow. So from luckily, him. I got back on that last f- final flight and then we've all sort of been here stuck ever since, haven't we? Yeah, yeah,
1: it? absolutely. Just and sort of just that mic cuz it's dropping
0: out. So that's all right. One segment.
1: No worries. So uh, so you've you've come back now and uh, and since then um Sifu Kong um, has also passed away unfortunately.
2: He did sadly. He he passed um, before the pandemic hit. He, he passed uh for about 4 years ago now. Mm. And and, um, yeah, very sad. I, I did get to see him a couple of last times in the hospital in Hong Kong um, and uh, got to say goodbye and to thank him for everything that he gave me. He, he taught me his style of uh, circle propeller, is what he called his style, um, and just the time that he gave me and the energy he put into me and the encouragement. and the, You know, he, he was very much a father figure, super positive, um, just a wonderful energy about him, and he just wanted the best for people and i just was so thankful for my time with him but yeah it was a sad time very sad time when he passed away
1: mm, yeah and, and what a i guess um a responsibility that he passed on to you with some of that knowledge that circle propeller knowledge um from what i understand there's not a lot of um other exponents of the style that are still remaining with us
2: no um there's a limited amount of people who would be able to teach circle propeller so I would be one of them. There's a couple of um, gentlemen in Germany. Mm-hmm. So Mark Adenor and his uh, partner, Peter, his, his um, Kung Fu partner, Peter, they have uh, Wing Chun schools in Germany, mm-hmm. and they are they are they did a lot of training with Kong Sifu as well. So we, we were really – I think we were his three main students, and I, I don't believe that there really is – I mean, he did have a lot of local Hong Kong students um, – Don't know of any of them that have gone on to teach. I'm really not sure. But certainly myself and um, the two German instructors in uh, Germany. Now, I also did film a documentary about Kong over the years. So while I was with him, I spent a lot of time filming um, him, his art, his style, his lifestyle, his his personality, interviews with him and stuff like that. And I put together a a two-disc DVD set about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. which we, I will be actually, I have a lot more footage than that so I'm going to be doing a lot more with that in the future mm-hmm. um, particularly in conjunction with Germany, uh, the, the two German um, instructors we've, we've got um, some plans for that so yeah, I do intend to get uh, Kong Sifu style circuit propeller out there further mm. and um, if anyone's interested, um, I do have a YouTube channel, White Dragon Films Yep. White Dragon, W-H-Y-T-E, mm-hmm. White Dragon Films and um, I will be putting up more content on there it's the circle propeller and Kong Sifu as well a lot of interviews and stuff like that yeah, yeah so. I really want to share his philosophy
1: Fantastic. Well, I mean, and and a lot to look forward to there. And I think um, the pandemic creates opportunities for us to often reflect on some of those things that we have done. And when we reflect on uh, your extraordinary journey from a, a very working class background, often one where you were discouraged from pursuing these dreams, which seemed quite ethereal in your youth, and uh, where you lived vicariously through these kung fu videos that you found at the <laughs> local video store and the deli, and uh, and from there, um, although not necessarily uh, formally receiving the qualifications and the, the grading you've nonetheless risen to the to the top of your field and then being able to um, intertwine your life's journey with some of these uh, figures that you've been admiring mm. on the screen for so long and then to come across that chance um, moment with uh, in, that day in Shanghai um, that led you into a path of spending more time with people like Jackie Chan and uh, idols of yours like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme it's it's quite an extraordinary journey do you ever reflect on that journey and and think wow that's a that's something really special there
2: yeah I guess I do I mean I've I was always going back and forth to Southeast Asia and um, as as a matter of fact when Kong Sifu passed away I was doing some films in Thailand so I started also branching out and doing some action films in Thailand um, but, of course, I also had my other life in Melbourne when i was I was in Melbourne for fourteen years um, you know and I did a lot of t v drama there mm. uh, a lot of guest roles a lot of a lot of t v commercials, stuff like that and yeah, I was always leading this double life back and forth and now, when I look back yeah it is it is quite um I've got so many memories and so many memorable experiences and and just you know I think back god did i really was I really there? Did I really do that and you know and just great memories and th- I guess I really did do many, many things that I dreamed of doing when I was that young teenager. Mm. Really got to do them. And a a lot of it was Mm risk-taking, major risk-taking. And, you know, sometimes it paid off, other times it didn't pay off. Yeah. Sometimes there were disasters. Yeah. But you get that with risk-taking. Yeah. Um, But I definitely took those risks and, yeah, I don't regret any of it at all been a fantastic adventure
1: it's been an amazing adventure it's been amazing to be on the sidelines of of this adventure and to uh, see uh, see things unfold as they have from seeing your ambitions as a, a young actor or a young man finding his way in life to finding that that way was definitely through acting but acting in that very specific niche of action films you know that genre that that you loved growing up that you were such an enthusiast with uh, um, of as as you were as you were um, growing older in the suburbs of Adelaide, to only find yourself on set with these people mm, um, cool. is is, so is, a, is a very very cool journey. And you know, I hope that uh, one that perhaps uh, some of the young athletes that tune into the podcast and those people that have been um, been following us, um, I, I'm sure they'll they'll see a lot of themselves in you, and uh, and see that perhaps there's a few other paths available to them rather than those that have been uh, perhaps laid before them by those that are around them.
2: Yes, you certainly have to uh, forge your own path. And yeah.
1: And, and what would be your advice to anybody who's perhaps in that predicament where you were perhaps when you were in your late teens, early 20s? You mightn't have a supportive environment, you mightn't have a lot of money and you mightn't have a lot of options, but you've got a dream. What would be your advice to those people?
2: Um, I think just... <sighs> Don't spend too much time. Don't spend years and years and years working yourself up to it. Just, just go for it. Do it. Take the first steps. You know, I feel like I'd probably probably waited a few too many years to really kick things off. Mm. Although, you know, everything happens for a reason the way it did. But um, I'd say just really. And of course, it's easy to it, it's easier said than done. Now that we're in a pandemic, mm. okay? so obviously it's a different world now. Now we've got to be realistic and say, you know, you know, when I was doing all that, you know, you go overseas and you come back when you want to. Now you could get stuck overseas. You could get stuck overseas for months. You might not be able to get back for a year or two. There could be a new strain. I mean, there's a lot to consider now. So, I realise it is easy for me to say, "Oh, you know, do follow your dreams, do what you want to do." But of course, you have to temper that with um, common sense and and you know the current. Uh, pandemic climate as well, mm. but you can always make steps towards things. You know, you, if, if you're interacting, you can work on your craft. You can do scenes. You can, you know, most auditions now are done online. You do, you film your audition and you upload it and you send it off. Mm. You blue screen in the background, so you can certainly work on your craft and put it out there. And there's still there's still massive opportunities out. There. Mm. And and you you certainly haven't
1: stopped it on the combat side of things either um uh, up until recently you were preparing
2: yourself for perhaps your your debut heavyweight battle. <laughs> I don't know about that certainly doing a bit of training but uh, I don't know about heavyweight I, I would have to lose 20 kilos to get to that get category. to heavyweight, super heavyweight <laughs> <laughs> open, yeah, weight, it, open uh, weight open <laughs> see at, at the weight we're at now that would go for you too though we're actually considered... in in boxing in Australia, would be considered super heavyweight. Super heavyweight. Which means... I'm happy with that. that, Super duper. You're happy, but you might not be happy when you find out your opponent is (laughs) 6'10 and 350 pounds because because super heavyweight is... I think it's all the way up from 80-something, 90 kilos... So you're yeah. 110 kilos but you're the, you're the little guy. <laughs> you're going to yeah, we're going to be the little guy. <laughs> right. we're gonna, okay. You're going to be up against yeah. some some absolute giant. <laughs> they have but was it was that sorry just God. a
1: matter sorry, was that just a matter of recalibrating, having a new goal because of covid I and, was just and, doing uh, a bit of training and stuff like just a that. Bit of fun. Yeah, a
2: bit of fun. Um
1: but no, we didn't... Do you ever fantasise about perhaps getting in the ring or the cage at some point? At, at this age? With yeah, these testing injuries? yourself maybe maybe in a Masters-type format or something along those lines where you're, you're fighting against equally decrepit people?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I... Because I, we've got a cage <laughs> just here. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy to test myself out with the oh, arm wrestlers, you know, yeah, after you they're all you exhausted. Very strong. <laughs> yeah. come, come in when they're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And just come in and, and...
0: Well, it's very strategic. Yeah, yeah, you sat back was. and watched and planned your moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hey i'm ready now <laughs> daniel <the> opportunist white <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so uh, what do you what are your plans now moving forward what are, what are you uh, now you've accumulated all of this experience and skill set um what are the various areas that you're now able to deploy that in do you feel
2: well certainly i'm i'm working on now getting 10 years has passed since i, I made that documentary about Circle Propeller and Kong Sufu and his style of Kung Fu. So I think now is a very good time to get that information really out there. So we're yep. working out ways with some, some um, uh, players in Hong, uh, sorry in Germany, we're working out ways to do that. We're going to be releasing a lot, more of, a lot more information about Kong's style, which I think needs to get out there. Um, you know, currently I, I work as a trainer, so I'm, I'm teaching um, people sometimes all over the country in uh, conflict resolution, safety, self-defence, um, negotiating and security as well. So yeah. I, I, I get to apply a lot of the martial arts strategies and not just the physical stuff, but a lot of the um, you know, common sense mental um, strategies as well to a lot of the stuff that I'm teaching so and yeah, I imagine
1: being on your feed and presenting and ad libbing as well as following a, a rough script um, in your present presentation would be skills learnt in acting as well. Oh for sure yeah definitely So isn't it interesting when people talk about acting perhaps as a career and they think oh well that's just being on the silver screen whereas you've kind of demonstrated that it, it can be that and it can be commercial and it can be TV and it can be yep. uh, sorry it can be movie it can be uh, stunt it can be any number of fields uh, once you've got the skill set and you develop the network then the opportunities will tend to uh, open up too
2: that's right acting is a great self-development tool and that's how i've always looked at it 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 helps you to become more of who you are Mm. it gives you confidence it allows you to to speak to all sorts of different people um and it certainly helps with my training and coaching and you know instructing presenting all that stuff definitely Mm. um but beyond that in terms of the movies and acting we've got to wait and see at the moment with the the covid situation and see when when's the world truly going to open up again? Yeah, when when question. do things
1: change? Yeah, there's a lot of people waiting to, to find that out, and uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But uh, Daniel, thanks thanks so much for coming into the studio today and sharing your story with us. It's absolutely a remarkable one, and uh, and one I think will inspire many who tune in today and and hear of your story of uh, a young working class man in the suburbs of Adelaide that got to uh, spend his time with and share a part. Of his journey with many of his idols and uh and not only that but um still to this day super fit super strong doing my best looking after yourself and uh and always ready for the next opportunity so uh ladies and gentlemen uh join me in thanking daniel white for coming along on the daily combat podcast and uh mate, we'll look forward to seeing you on the podcast again very very soon
2: thank you so much dave much appreciated I would, i'd love to come back and talk more awesome. yeah. sure. especially about martial arts yeah Combat, that's the that's what I'm interested in. So
1: excellent. Fantastic. Thank well, you, Matt.
2: Thank
0: that's you. what that's awesome. all we Good talk start. about
1: on the podcast, that and sometimes acting. So we we'll look forward to <laughs> having result. you back on
0: <laughs> <laughs> very, very soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. You've been listening to the Daily Combat Podcast. Special thanks also go out to our main sponsor, Real Estate Agents Group. This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience real is for real people by real people check them out on facebook under real estate agents group or visit their website urban and rural the daily combat podcast is proudly brought to you by dave stockbridge isabella rossitano and hollywood matt connolly make sure to give us a five-star review as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast thank you again for listening from all of us here at the daily combat podcast team